Okay, we're beginning here on the top of Meim Hayam with Aleph with the new parak. The parak here deals with what we call Zimun. The previous parak dealt with Brachot. Now we're moving over to the Bracha Achrona and Birkat Amazon. But within the context of Birkat Amazon, we're going to deal with the Birkat Zimun. And that is when three people get together, there's an addition to the benching, the addition to Birkat Amazon, which we know as Birkat Zimun. In terms of what creates or what is Mechaev or obligates one in Birkat Zimun, it turns out to be a massive machloket rishonim. We won't have a lot of time to spend on it, but I just want to give you some background so that you know, as we're going through the Gemara, you can see that there are different stadim that we find throughout the Gemara. The question is, if three people eat together, when are they considered to be eating together and create a zimun? And when are they considered separate? So the opinions run the gamut. There are some that say they must begin the meal together. In order to be classified as a zimun, they must begin the meal together. They must say, break bread together, say the bracha b'motzi together. The other Rishonim that believe they simply have to end the meal together. Not start it, but if they end together, if they come together before they finish the eating the meal, and then they join together to eat a portion of the meal, that is sufficient to create the Chiyub of Birkat Zimun. And there's some Rishonim who require you to eat from beginning to end together in order to generate that obligation. There are other opinions, which seems to maybe be the Rashi's opinion, is that simply the Bracha. If you get together to bench, that's enough to be Mitztarif to create the Zimun that you need to have the three of you together. Those opinions, again, run the gamut through the Rishonim, and the Rishonim are arguing based on the points that are brought up in our parak as to when or how we establish Birkata Zimun. So now the Bishnah begins, three people ate together, as a single unit. They are obligated to be Mizamein. We're going to see later on in the parak. When it means that they're obligated to be Mizamein, that means that they don't have the option to break up. They must have a Zimun together. And that later on the Mishnah says, Asurim they may not divide up, and because they are Chayav and Zimun, they must discharge that obligation before they split up. Now, Achal, Damai. Umaser Rishon Shitma Chumato. Maser Sheni Vegdeshenifdu. All of these items are things that are quasi Isur. They're not perfect. They're also not completely Isur. The Gemara will later come back and discuss each one of them. What exactly is the problem that we have over here? And that's what Rashi is saying. Ubachohani Yitzrichleshmi. You know what our Mishnah had to explain to us? The Afagab, the Damuli Isur. Even though they're similar to something that is a sur, enkan bracha baveira. Nevertheless, there is no bracha baveira, which we'll see later on, is something that restricts a person from benching or joining in the zimun if he eats something and be sur. So a person eats tevel, something that's completely a sur, they may not join in the zimun. On the other hand, if a kohen eats truma and he still eats chulin and they're eating together, they can join in the zimun because each person is eating that which is permitted to them. So over here we have a chal demai, person who ate demai, which is produce that is sold by an Amaretz to a Chaver, and we're uncertain as to whether he was Mafrish Trumot to Masrot. Maseri Shon Chumato, from here it sounds like you're talking about Shon that the Levi has, and he gave the Chumat Maser to the Kohen. Obviously if he did that, there's nothing wrong. The Gemara again will discuss what the issue is. Maser Sheni Vekdesh Nivdu, Maser Sheni and Hektesh can be redeemed, and the money is then can either, by Maser Sheni brought up to Yerushalayim and used to purchase food in Yerushalayim and eat in there, or Hektesh, the monies are then given to Hektesh. In the, both of these cases, that's completely permissible. And the Gemara will discuss what nuance happened here that made it that it wasn't perfect. Veshamash, shachal kezayit. The person who is serving the meal, who ate a kezayit. In general, it would be improper for him to eat with the people that are mesiv, that are eating there. The shamash is the server, the servant. And therefore, it would be inappropriate to eat with them. On the other hand, if there are two, and then the shamash eats, and he becomes the third, that's to their benefit. And therefore, it is permissible in that case. Vakuti. Akuti is also fine the Mizamim Elab. All of these people, we can have a Birkata Zimun with them. Again, the Gemara will deal with all of them. Achal Tevel. 
On the other hand, if you eat something that's completely asur, tevel, maserishon shalom nitna trumato, maserishon of the levy that doesn't have trumat maser removed from it, umaisushen vekdesh shalom nivdu, that were not redeemed, or a servant or a person who is serving weight less than a gazayit, and a non-Jew, they do not join in to the Birkat Azimon, they do not qualify to make up the three for Birkat Azimon. Women, servants, and children cannot be mitzareif to the Zimon. What is the threshold by which one has to eat in order to join the Zimon? Tanakama says, Ad kezayit. As long as you eat a kezayit, you can join in the zimun. You have to eat an egg's worth in order to join in the zimun. Gemara wants to know right away, Where do we know that there's such a concept called birkata zimun? The Pesuk says, Kadbu So as Rashi explains here, there's a person calling out, Kadbu l'ashem iti. I am the person, let us rise to Hashem together. But he says, Gadlu in the plural, the minimal plural is two. And he says, E.T. with me. That means he has, speaking to at least a minimum of two people, and that means three. And we'll elevate his name together. So that gives us this basis for three as the minimum for Ezimun. He quotes the Pazavir, Kishem Hashem Ekra, Havu The same concept again, he says, Kishem Hashem Ekra, cries in the singular. I will call the Shem Hashem. And then Havu, the response is from a plural Minimum of plural is two. Have a goldel Then we will rise or elevate towards God. This is the source for zimun, because in all these cases it has three individuals involved with it. The problem is, what does this have to do with zimun at all? It's true that you have three in these psukim, but the Gemara earlier on in the Masechta already used these psukim actually for the source of birkat Torah, not for birkat zimun. So there are a number of ways to solve that or to explain that. One of the ways to explain that is that this is a din in Shevach Vodah. Whenever you give praise to Hashem, this is the proper way to do it. It requires a opening and a response. Someone opens up with the praise to Hashem, and then there are respondents to the praise of Hashem. Birkat HaTorah is Shevach Vodah Hashem. Benching is also Shevach Vodah Hashem. And the Birkat HaZimun is premised on this idea that it's Shevach Vodah Hashem. The other possibility, which I heard from Rav Meir Lichtenstein, is that the meal that one wants to eat... The Torah is trying to create in Chulin something similar to Kodesh. We have that in many instances, for instance, with Shechita. The reason we have Shechita by Chulin, it's a derivative of that which happens by Kodashim. So there is a way to be Makdish, that which is Chulin, to be similar in concept to that which is Hekdesh. Now Hekdesh, or the concept of Hekdesh, is that everything belongs to Hashem, and we're always before Hashem. So what we want to do in our life of Chulin is to somehow emulate a little bit what happens in Godesh. And that is to feel or elevate our meals to the point where we feel like we're eating before Hashem. And so the Birkat Zimun, just like Birkat Torah, is a concept of elevation to Hashem, or giving a framework to our meals, that we are Ochel Lifnei Hashem. And we know that the Midrashim, that the table of an individual is Mizbeach, the food on top of it is Gilu Karban Hashem, and then a person who invites Aniyim to join in his table... That's as if he is like Hashem, emulating Hashem and providing for others. The Mashalim and the Midrashim clearly draw that equation between eating at one's table and that of the Korbanot. And similarly over here, the idea of the Zimun is to give a framework and the benching afterwards to say that when we eat, we're Ochel Lifnei Hashem. And for Ochel Lifnei Hashem, that requires something to be said about it, and that's Birkat Zimun. 
One is ochel lifnei Hashem, one has to call out, and others have to respond. That is the proper way to deal with being lifnei Hashem. So that's another possibility as to why this is the source for Zimun, its connection to Birkat HaTorah. Am Rav Chanan Barba, Minayin Lona Amein, Shelo Yagbi HaKolo Yotar Minam Where is the source for the fact that a person who answers Amein, the affirmation of a bracha, should not raise his voice above the level of the voice of the Mivarech? Shenemar Gadul Hashem Iti, Meaning that the call of the individual is Gadul Hashem, Iti, with me. And together we will raise our voices. So it's together, the same level. So the Mivarech says it at a certain volume. The Amin should reflect that volume. Because the Amin is an affirmation of the Bracha of the Baruch. And it's true today that the practice amongst many people is to answer Amin much louder than the Mivarech. That's probably based on the Gemara in Shabbat that says, there are anybody who answers, I mean, they're tear up, korim lo gzardino, rip up any bad decrees that were on him. Over there, the Mishonim argue about what does it mean, b'chol kocho? Does that mean b'chol kavanato? With all his intent, with the proper mindset? Or does chol kocho mean literally, physically, with all of his strength? And that is probably what the basis for the Minak today is that people raise their voice when they answer, I mean. Amar Bishuman Pazi Minayin Shein Amitar Gim Rashadak Biakolo Yotermina Kore. How do we know when they read the Torah in the time of the Gemara? They used to read one pasuk, and then they have a mitargim translated into Aramaic, pasuk by pasuk afterwards. How do you know that the one who's translating can't raise his voice higher than the one who's reading the Torah? That Moshe spoke, and as Tosavot says, Mistama Moshe spoke at the top of his voice, because he's trying to reach, speak to all of Klai Yisrael. Then, And Hashem answered back, Whose voice is that? The same level or the same volume as Moshe. Now, Hashem was only speaking to Moshe. He wasn't speaking to Bnei Yisrael. So for Moshe to raise his voice to the highest level, that makes sense. But why did Hashem reflect the volume of Moshe's voice, even though he was just speaking to Moshe? Because of this principle that the Metargeim cannot raise his voice more than that of the Kore. And that makes sense even from a philosophical standpoint, because the Targum should not be more important than the Kriya itself. The source of the Kriya, the reading of the Torah, is the real thing. The Targum, the Targum, the translation of it is for the benefit of the people listening. But not that it should exceed the volume of that which is being read, as if that this is more important, or this is the primary object. No, the primary thing is the reading of the Torah. Secondarily, we translate it so people understand. In order to make that clear and give that impression, we say that the person who is Targum should not raise his voice above the one who is Koreh. Tiny nami ochi, we have a brighter that suggests the same thing. That the metargame should not raise his voice above the one who is kore betorah. If he cannot raise his voice to the level of kore, then the person who's reading actually should lower his voice to make it that the volumes are of equal level and as to not have a problem where the metargame and the kore are at different audible levels. So now we move back to our issues of Zimon. Itmar, Shnaim two people eat together. Pligi Rav Rav Yochanan. Rav and Rav Yochanan argue about what the din is. Now it's clear from the Mishnayot. When you talk about the Mishnayot, the Mishnah says clearly, three people get together, that's a, a, zim, a Zimon. Then other Mishnayot later on say, only if you're three, can you not separate? It seems almost clear from the Mishnayot that three is considered to be a Zimon and nothing less. The Amoraim all of a sudden introduced this concept that you can have two that make a zimun. Something that's not found in the Mishnah. Now, it could be possible that this is really a derivative of the fact that we compared zimun to Birkat Torah, or maybe even to 
what people call Yoshev or a Beitin. That a Beitin needs to be three. But we said in other places, the Gemara and Sanhedrin, that if two are done, that it is a Din. Or maybe it's not a Din. That's a Machloket Amoraim there. Maybe you have the same thing over here. By Zimon, even though three is the proper way to do it, maybe two is okay. And some of this might be deriving from the fact that the Gemara uses the source for Zimon, the same dinim that we find by Birkata Torah and by Limana Torah. And therefore, the Gemara introduces this possibility that even below three, you could have a Zimon. That's a Machloket Rav and Rabbi Yochanan. If they want to do a Zimon, they can. If they want to be a Zimon, they can't. So the question is not whether you're obligated. The only question is if it's optional. Three are obligated to make a Zimon. Two, Machloket Amoraim, as to whether you are restricted, you may not make a Zimon, or do you have the option? You have Rishut, you have the ability to make a Zimon if you choose. So now the Gemara wants to bring our Mishnah as a proof against this. Done. It's pretty obvious from the mission. Three, yes. Two, no. So Mara's answers, what we explained before, In our mission, we're talking about an obligation. By three, you're obligated. By two, that's optional. So the mission is speaking about the obligation because, as Rashi says, So mitzuveh, that's what the mission discusses. That's optional. If you want to do that, that's fine. But that's not what the mission is addressing. Tashma, the mission later on. Three that eat together must make a zimun, and they may not split up. Now, Rashi says they may not split up because then the other two, the person who walks away is going to leave the other two without a zimun. Tosafot points out that the one who walks away also has a problem. When he walks away, he's also creating an instance where he was chayiv in zimun, and he's walking away from the zimun. So the problem is not just for the two that are left behind, it's even for the one who is walking away. They're all problematic. So Tosafot says he doesn't take the proof here is necessarily from this part of the Mishnah, but rather from the latter half of the Mishnah, which is that over there it says, Arba in Rishayim Lechalek. Four people are not allowed to split up. Now by four people not splitting up, then you have two and two. So if you believe that two and two could make a Zimon, then it'd be fine. By three, you have the problem that you have one breaking off from two. Two could make the Zimon, but the one might still be problematic, and you can't bring any proof from that, because maybe two could have been okay. It's the one that's the problem there. So by making it into the question from the latter half of that Mishnah, the four, when it's two and two, Tosfot says, there you have two and two, and that shows you that you can't break up. So the Gemara says, Shlosha in, Shnaim lo, three yes, two no. So again, Shiny Altum, the Kabbalu Bechovah, Meikara. They already established themselves as a Chova. When they obligated themselves to have a Zimon, whether they were three or four together, that's a Zimon of Chova, where you're obligated. And again, Rashi says, Golden Mitzuve, Meshena Mitzuve. And therefore, better to have a Zimon Biglau Chova, because you're obligated, rather than a Zimon that comes because of optionality, because of a Rashut. And so even though we started according to Tosua with four, according to Rashi with three, and then you break up and you still have two left, the two left are not as good as having three or four together, because that's a difference between Chova and Rishut. So Tashma, Neshamash, Sheya, Mishamesh, Ashnaim, Herzeh, Ochelim, Ahem. Shemash that is serving two people is allowed to eat with them. Afo, Rishut. Even though they're given permission, even though it is a little beyond his stature or standing in society to eat when the other people are eating when he's serving them, Nevertheless, he should eat with them, because then he will establish a zimun for them of three. But if he's serving three, he does not have permission to eat, because they have a zimun without him. Unless they specifically grant him the right to eat, because otherwise it's inappropriate for him to eat. So again, you see that three is the threshold for zimun. If two is the threshold for zimun, why does the shamash need to eat when there are two of them there? Again, shani hotam, the nechelul, the that they rather reach the point where they are obligated in Zimon rather than when it's optional. If it's just the two of them, it'll be optional. If they allow the Shamash to eat, then they will all three be obligated 
And that will be even better. Now the Gemara moves on. Tashma. What about Nashim? What about women? Nashim is amot li atzman. Women can make a zimun by themselves. Vavadim is amim atzman. And servants can make their own zimun as well. Nashim vavadim uktanim im ratzula zamein in mizamnim. On the other hand, Nashim vavadim uktanim, if they want to make a zimun together, they may not make a zimun because of a problem of a pritzut. There's a pritzut, it's a problem of them joining together. Now, the Gemara says, wait a minute. Vaha mea noshi ketre gavre damyon. A hundred women are equivalent to two men. Viktani. And we see there that Nashim is amnotli atzman. That women can make their own zimun. Vavadim is amnim latzman. And Vavadim can make their own zimun. So the question is, depends on who you think like. Rashi says the question here is, that if women are considered like two, and they have the option or the ability to make a zimun, we see that two is a zimun. Because if a hundred women are equal to two men, two men have an option to make a zimun, a hundred women have the same option, which is to make a zimun. So if that's the case, I have a proof that two can make a zimun. On the other hand, Tosafot learns this as a general principle in Dvarim Shibik Dusha. Tosafot sees this as a din with anything that requires a minion. Tosafot explains that the question over here that is posed is based on the fact that this has to do with women in general. Women in general, mayakitrei means that they don't mitzdarif to any davar shibik dusha. Kibbutz tefila, davar shibat they don't count towards a minion. And despite the fact that they don't count towards a minion, they still can make a zimun. So you see that the qualification for minion is not important here. And they can make a zimun, whether it's three, whether it's two, it doesn't matter, because we're saying mayakitrei, that a hundred women are like two, and even though they're counted like two with any other davar shibik dusha, Nevertheless, they can bench over here. They can make a zimun. So you see that when it comes to two, there is a din of zimun. Rashi, on the other hand, reads it slightly differently. It says that this is a din in zimun itself. Just like Tosafot, says they have the option to make a zimun. They're not obligated to making a zimun. But if there, it's an option, that means that even though there are three of them, that it's an option. If it's an option, that's similar to what we say by two men. hundred women is like two men. If they have the option to do it when they're three, men should have the option to do it when they are two. And that's the comparison that Rashi draws. Now, in terms of women's zimon, there's a sugya here, as well as a sugya in Arachin. From that, the Bishonim argue about what exactly is the status of women with regards to zimon. Here you see Tosafot and Rashi saying that women are optional. They may, if they want, make a zimon, but they're not obligated in zimon. Many of the other Bishonim, based on the Gemara in Arachin, suggests that women are obligated in zimun. It's not just an option, but there's an obligation for them to be part of a zimun. Because that's what the Mishnah in Arachin says, and that's the way Gemara seems to read it in Arachin. Our Gemara seems to indicate that the women are only quasi-obligated or optional, whereas the Gemara there seems to be an obligation. You have to reconcile between those two Gemarot, and Rishonim deal with it differently. So suppose you can see is dealing with it by saying that it's optional. If they choose to make a zimun, they can, but they're not obligated in making a zimun. That's the way Tosavot deals with it. Other Rishonim say no, that they are obligated in Zimun. And over here, when we say Mea Kitre, maybe we're talking about other Dvarim Shibik Dusha, maybe we're talking about in relationship to men. If they want to join a Zimun of a man, they don't have that status to make them into the three. Other Rishonim have different ways of dealing with this. Lo after we have the Rishonim going through this, there are amazing Shittot in the Rishonim. Tosvod here brings already from the Rabbi Avraham, the Balei Tosvod, there's a Morchai also who quotes that some of the Balei Tosvod were Mitzaref women, to their zimun, that was in their household. If it was someone who was a part of their family, whether it was their wife, their daughters, they would start with them to the zimun. Some of them to a zimun shlosha, some even to make up the ten for a sarah, they were mitzdarif them. 
Kadalocha, we do not hold like these Baliatosvot. But the question is, what do we do the Alocha? Are women obligated in Zimun or not? Now, it seems the right thing for women to do is to make a Zimun. If they have the ability to make a Zimun, and in instances where there are only two men there, the men should bench, maybe move out, and then the women can make a Zimun. In the cases where there's a men's Zimun there, many of the Achronim and the post Alocha mention that maybe it's better for them to join with the men's Zimun, because that Zimun might be obligatory versus the women's, which is optional. And therefore they should join the Zimun. The question that comes up is, if women are there, and there's a Zimon, and there are three men there, can they leave the table? Are they obligated to join the Zimon? If Moshe writes in a tshuva, it's wrong that the men bench without the women there, that the women are equally obligated in the Zimon, and once they eat together with the three men at the table, they have the same obligation in Zimon, and they should be joined with the Zimon, that they should be there when they bench. He says, especially on Shabbat, even on weekdays, he said it would be a good idea, but sometimes they're too busy. But otherwise, the women should be there for the zimun. On the other hand, Rav Nasha Klein in the Mishnah Alochot wants to be Malamid Schut and people who don't do that, that maybe because of the difference in obligation of the women, they also don't have the same din in Kviyat Suda. There he's asked a question by a friend about a minog of the Hasidim too on their Friday night meal to leave before they bench and go to the Rebbe and to be by the Tish. And then they leave their women or the wife without a zimun. Is that proper or possible? So Rabbi Nashi Klein is melamed schut on those individuals and comes up with the reason why maybe it's okay. But in general, it's true that women should, first of all, be mizamein and part of the zimun when there are three men at the table. And when there are three women there, it seems that they should make a zimun for themselves as long as, again, there's no problem with pizzuta and that the men are either move on or they bench and that's not an issue. They can make a zimun to themselves. It's improper if there is a men's zimun for women to split off and make their own zimun because they might have a lower form of obligation and that would be improper in that case. And Tosfot over here says that the women had problems with zimun and why they didn't do it is because they were ignorant. They didn't know anything. But if the women, as they are, that they're educated and that they do do mitzvot, there's no reason why women today should not be mizamein or make a zimun together. Right, so now the Gemara has this issue where women do make a zimun and they are indicating, the Gemara through that is indicating that Men should also be able to make a zimun, this optional zimun, when there are two of them. Right, that makes a difference over there, because even though maybe women are ketre gavre, they're like two men, nevertheless, they they still count in terms of numbers. So in, in terms of chova, they don't have an obligation to do a zimun, nevertheless, they are still counted as three. For zimun, the number is three, and women count towards that number of three. So even though they're not obligated, and it's optional, they nevertheless have a count of three. So it's not ketre like we learned before, that they're like two. They're like two with regards to obligation. They're not obligated to make a zimon like two men are not obligated to make a zimon. But in terms of reshut, in terms of their option to make a zimon, when we look, we don't say two women's enough. We say that you need three women. Then the women, you have to count them and their numbers matter. And so we see over there that you can't bring a proof from that. The only thing you can prove from that is that, yes, women have a reshut possibly when it comes to zimon, not an obligation, but you can't prove from that that two is okay. Because when the women do make a zimun, when they do it as an option to make it, they do it with three. And that's the paradigm that we set up, is three, not two. So there's no proof from there that it's two. So, Ema Seifa, let's look at the Seifa. If that's the case, Ema Seifa, Nashim Abedim, Ratzul Zamein, Ema Zamein. If Abedim and Nashim want to get together, they can't make a zimun. Why not? If they count, Abedim and Nashim will have the same din, maybe they should count, you can make a zimun together. You have three. That's what we mentioned before. The problem there is not a problem with whether they can or cannot make a zimon. The problem is pritzut. We don't want the women and abadim together in the room because that will end up in a bad situation. So you want to keep them separate so we don't have them make a zimon because that would require them to eat together, to be together, 
And that will end up in a bad situation. So now, Tistayim, the Gemara wants to say, let us conclude between this Machok and the Rav and Rabbi Yochan, we said one has this opinion, one has that opinion. We don't know which is which. Now, it's important because you know Rav, Rabbi Yochan, Allah, and Rabbi Yochanan. So we want to know which one's the opinion of Rav, which one is Rabbi Yochanan. So let's say Rav, Damar, Imratul is the main name, Zamnim. Let's say Rav's the one of the opinion that you don't have an option to make a zima when it comes to two. If three people ate together and one of them leaves to the shuk, they call to him and they bench with him. Again, this is a machlokatarishonim, exactly what's happening here. We'll go with the simplest peshat, which is what Rashi suggests over here. The person's out in the shuk and they want a bench. So they call out to this person and if he can hear them and answer to the zimun, that's sufficient for them to make the zimun together. Time with the korim though. But only if they call him does it work. Hello, Karim, lo? Lo. But if they don't call him, then they don't have a zimun. Where it says, the same answer that we've seen before, shiny autumn, digvulu, bechova, meikara. They had three together, so they were obligated in zimun. If the two go on without this third one in the shuk, they can, yes, maybe they can make a zimun, but that'll be an optional zimun, not an obligatory zimun, and that won't work. Elatistayim, so let's try the other way. That Rabbi Yochanan, who, damar imratul zameinim zamenim. That if they want the option to make zimun, you can't with two people. Two people ate together. One of them can be mitzid the other one. What's the question? Why can't one person make a bracha for the other? It's a mishnah. If you listen to someone and you don't answer, you're still yotze. It works. That teaches you that there is no birgad zimun amongst them. The din teaches you that even though two people together, one can be mevarech for the other, Nevertheless, there is no zimun here. So tistayim, from that we can conclude that Rabbi Yochanan is the author of that position. Because over here we see what's the reason that we say that two people together, one can make a bracha of the other. But, nevertheless, as Rabbi Zerah says, there is no zimun, birkat zimun b'nayim. That's the chedish of the statement of Rabbi Yochanan. To teach you there is no zimun by two people. So amalei rova barafuna, the ravuna, baharabonon, the atumimarova. But the rabbonon that come from Eretz Yisrael, amreim ratzudu zamein zamnim. They all quote this memra from someone that if you want to make, two people want to make a zimun, they can. Now, who is the Balhura? Who is the big gun in Eretzisel? That's Rabbi Yochanan. So isn't it, my love, Tashmilu, Rabbi Yochanan? They must have heard this, Rabbi Yochanan. Otherwise, how did they get this? It says, well, Tashmilu, me Rav, me kamei denochit the Bavel. No, we said before that Rav was in Eretzisel learning by Rabbi before he came down to Bavel and became the leader of the Babylonian community. So they heard this from Rav before he left Eretz Yisrael. Then when he came to Bavel, you still have trickles of these Talmudim coming who had heard it from Rav. And they're quoting Rav and not Rabbi Yochanan. So the conclusion would be that Rabbi Yochanan is the one who says that two people do not have the option to make a zimon, whereas Rav says they do have an option. Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan, therefore there is no option for two people to make a zimon. So Gufa, we're going back to discuss something we mentioned. Rav Dimi, Bar Yosef, and Rav, Shlosh, Shachlu, Kachat, Lashuk. Three people ate together, one of them goes after the Shuk, Korim Lo, Mizamnin, Alav. They call him, and they can bench with that person. That's as long as he can hear. They call him, and he can still answer to them. That's only true when it's three people. When you're talking about ten people, he has to actually show up. So Ravashi says, I think the opposite is more logical. Nine people look like ten. You can't discern between nine and ten. So if he doesn't show up, and he's out there answering, people will just think it's ten. That's why every time you need a minion, you're looking around, you don't know if you have nine or ten, you have to count, because people don't know. It's not easy to discern. If you have two people or three people, it's very obvious whether you have two or three. So therefore, if the third person is in the shuk, you can't have the benching of three people unless the person returns and shows up. When you have ten, nine people, and the other person in the shuk is answering them, 
Maybe that's fine because it looks like ten people. People won't get confused. The Gemara says the conclusion is Kir Marzutra. The Allah is like Marzutra, that it's only true, but Shlosha, above Basara, you need him to show up. My Taima. Came in the Bible, Kure Shem Shemaim, because they're going to mention Shem Hashem. Ten by benching allows you to add the word Elokeinu. Batsimir Asara, Lavorach Aro. It's not proper etiquette. It's not proper derech eretz to mention Shem Hashem unless the ten people are actually present. It actually comes up in a Gemara on Daf Mem Zayin. There's going to be a machlokah there with the guards too. How he put together three, ten, who can be included, who cannot be included. This Gemara over here will play a pivotal role in how the Rishonim understand that Gemara further on. But right now the Gemara continues here. Two people eat together, should split up. They shouldn't stay together. What does that mean? If they both know how to bench by themselves, they both know how to say brachot by themselves. Rashi says this applies to Birgit Amazon and Birgit Amotzi. Anything that they need, they should each bench independently. They should say their brachot independently because they're not considered to be a unit. They're only a unit once they have three. But that's true if they both know how to bench. If one of them is someone who knows how to bench, the other one is an Amaretz who does not know how to bench, then so from a very you'll say. Then obviously you can be Shomek Ona and you can take care of the other individual. The Rashi says this applies to all brachot, Mishonah Achrona, Tosavot disagrees, and Tosavot says that it only applies to Brach Achrona with regards to benching. But the regards to Brach Mishonah, for sure you can have one person be Mavarech Likulam, even when it's only two. This is simply a din in benching, not a din in bracha rishona. So anon. This is something that I said. Vitam and I've also heard it in the name of Rabbi Zera Kavati. The similar to what I said. When three people eat together, If two of them want to bench, they can force the third one to stop eating and bench with them. On the other hand, the opposite is not true. If two people are eating and the third one wants to leave, he can't force or obligate the other two. To stop and bench below. Is that not true? Rapapa was willing to stop to eat for Abamari Bray, for Abamari his son, Iubachad. And he was eating with someone else. And his son wanted to leave and they stopped. He was not obligated to stop his meal. He did it as a tova. His son wanted to leave. He wanted to help him out. So he stopped eating in order to allow him to bench. They're eating together, the three of them. They didn't have a clear hierarchy here of who should be the one to lead the benching. Because they were all of the same level. They were all chaverim. So they didn't know who to give the honor of benching. They said, wait, we have a Mishnah that says three who eat together, they have to make a Zimun. So it says, Maybe that's only true when there's somebody who is of the stature hierarchy that he's differentiated from the others. So maybe when we're all of the same stature, the same level, we should break up and make our own brachot. So they went ahead and they each benched on their own. They didn't make a Zimun. They came for a You're very good. You all bench and you the But as far as zimon is concerned, you didn't do anything. You're still missing the zimon. If you want to say now, let's go back and do the zimon. We did the benching. Let's bend now. Do the zimon retroactively. Zimon is premised on Birkat Amazon following it. You can't do a Zimon retroactively. So that's important. That if you have a Zimon there, if someone starts to bench, that's it. They're lost from the Zimon. You can't make a Zimon on someone who's already started to bench. Zimon is for people who have yet to bench because it's the introductory paragraph of giving bracha to Hashem, the Zimon. We'll see that explicitly in tomorrow's daf. As well as this issue of when one person stops for two and they stop to eat, they bench, how much do they have to bench? How much of the zimun do they have to have? How much of benching do they have to have? 
And then when that person continues to eat, what does he have to do afterwards when he goes back and bench? That'll all be addressed in tomorrow's daf. Person comes along and finds them benching. He didn't eat with them. And he comes and finds them benching. How does he respond to them? Now, the people in the meal, we know. Then he says, And then they say, So he says, Let us give bracha to the one who we ate from. And they respond, That blessed is the one that we ate from. Because they all participated in the meal. This person who shows up over here can't answer that way because he can't say that we should bless the one who provides us the meal or provides us our food. He didn't eat there. So Rav Zidamar Baruch Umevorach. He says, Baruch Umevorach, Rabbar Ba'amar Oni Amein. Below Pliga, they don't argue. Adash Gechinu Dekamre Nivarech. Depends where they're up to in the benching. If it's still the leader is calling, Nivarech Le'elokeinu or Nivarech Shechanu Mishaloh, then he can respond, Baruch Umevorach, we'll see exactly what the proper response is. But if he found already the cow or the people there are answering already, Baruch Shechal Mishlo Tavokainu, he's too late, he didn't hear the call to come and answer the bracha, then he just answers Amin to what they're saying. Now, the Tosafot brings quotes from the Balalacha Gudolot, that the right way to say it is Baruch Hu Mevaruk Shemot Tamid Olam Vaed. And if there are ten people there, he says Baruch Elokeinu Mevaruk Shemot Tamid Olam Vaed. And that is the Alocha, that someone who shows up and hears people benching, if he hears the Mizamein, the one who's calling them to the bracha, and he didn't eat, he should answer, Baruch Uvaruch Shemot Tamid Olam Vaed, or Baruch Elukein Uvaruch Shemot Tamid Olam Vaed. That is the proper answer. Again, if he shows up after he's already called them, and they're just answering the bench, and that's what he hears, he answers Amen to their response. Tani Chada Onei Amen, Achar Bichotav Erzei Meshubach. We have one Brayta that suggests, the person answers Amen to his own brachot, that's praiseworthy. Tani Yidach, we have another Brayta that says, Erzei Meguneh, that's something that is inappropriate. Lokash, Abu Bani Yishalayim, Arbishar Brachot, depends where in benching. To answer Amen in Bonei Yerushalayim, that is proper. But in the rest of the brachot of the benching, that is inappropriate. Abai answer Amen to Bonei Yerushalayim in a very loud voice, so that the workers would know that that was the end of benching for them, because the fourth bracha is going to see in tomorrow's death and further on in this parak that the fourth bracha was only an institution, the Rabbanon, that was appended to benching. And in being appended to benching, it's not obligatory. And therefore the polim will need to go to work, the Rabbanon waived or gave them a dispensation that they did not have to say a tov v'meitiv. So he say amen to show that that was the end of the benching del raita minat Torah, the first three brachot, and we'll see later on that they and we saw this earlier in Masechta that Paulim actually cons- condense the brachot, the first three brachot. But then after that they can leave. So he used to say the amen very loudly at Bnei Yerushalayim. On the other hand, Ravashi ani lebel chisha. He used to answer it softly. Because what ended up happening was. That people, when they knew that Amin, that was really the end of benching, and this little addition afterwards was only the Rabbanan. When people heard that, they kind of said, all right, we'll do the first three, and then they left, and they didn't do the last brocha. So he used to answer the Amin quietly, so people wouldn't realize that that was really the end of benching, and they would also join in and do the fourth brocha. Now, the Amin that is there at the end of Bnei Yerushalayim, the way Rashi explains it is that the proper place to answer Amin is with you at the end of something. It's the conclusion. And that's what he says. She's sofa brachot. Became sof brachot to kriyachma shachrit varvit. Also at the end of the birkot kriyachma. You don't answer Amin to yourself for each bracha, but only at the final bracha should you answer Amin. Now the Sfaradim had the minog again to answer Amin to all the brachot that's brought down in the Shulchan Aruch, the Alocha. On the other hand, Ashkenazim hold like the Rashi here, or the idea that Amin is only answered at the sofa brachot. And the says, what about us? What do we do? He says, Umiyopokhazimayamudovar, go see what the Minagaam is. Shalonagulanotamain, Ella Harbanoishlaim to Birkanamazon. The Minagaam is not to answer Amain to anything except Bone Yushalaim in benching. 
And that is Minog Ashkenaz, that's the din of Ashkenazim, that they don't answer main to any bracha of their own, except for Bonei Yerushalayim. And that's what it says, especially today for us, where we don't have this din of Paulim. Even Abayi would agree that you should answer the Amen of Bonei Yerushalayim a little bit softer, not make a big deal out of it, so that people continue on in the benching, don't think that that is the end of benching. Okay, we'll stop over here.